Welcome to Season 6 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I am here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. Our program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205-326-7364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back this week to more Bob Goff. I love this guy. He's such an encourager. His stories just hit right in the heart. They seem really easy to kind of identify with. And when you can identify with someone's experiences and they're trying to get you to lean into Jesus, it's just a really nice mix. As always, we can't recommend everything everybody says, but overall it leaves the right kind of marks on me and I thought you might enjoy it too. So I put a couple of links in last week's show notes that get you to the book Love Does and also his second book, Everybody Always. I'm already about halfway through the second one, and Kate, Luke's girlfriend, has already let me borrow the third book, Dream Big, so there may be another episode or two upcoming. As it is, this will be the third episode of ESM devoted to some portion of Bob's life. I did a little archive digging, and back in May of 2022, I did an episode called Be Secretly Incredible. It was based on a YouTube video from Bob talking about the work that gets done in other countries. A friend of mine, Kenzie Fountain, had suggested it to me. As I recall, there was a little bit more information about him and his humanitarian work, so I'll link that in today's show notes if you'd like to go back and check it out. But for today, I have to share with you what is far and away my favorite stories of all of the life events that he talks about. It is his first story that he tells. It is chapter one of the book Love Does from 2012. I meant to share it with you last week, but I had some things I needed to get off my chest So thank you for that, for listening and for following along and being so kind and supportive. But now, let me tell you about a story he titles, I'm With You. So Bob recalls a time when he was a high school student in California. He was 17 years old and he was about to start his junior year. But he had no interest in school. He wasn't a particularly good student. He was trying to get his GED and couldn't figure out how to even sign up for that. So before school started, he decided he was getting out of town. He had an old VW bug and like two changes of clothes and 70 bucks, and he was going to drive the all-day journey to Yosemite, get a job to put food on the table, and spend all of his free time climbing massive granite cliffs. Well, on the morning that he was leaving, he decided to stop by Randy's house. Randy was a really good friend whom Bob had met at high school, though Randy was not a student at the time. He was quite a bit older, but he would go to the school and he would talk to people about Jesus. He recalls that when he met Randy, he had a Triumph motorcycle, a beard, and a girlfriend. So Bob was immediately drawn to him. So even though Bob had not in any way brought Christ into the middle of his life, he had a lot of respect for Randy, so he thought, I think I need to go tell him that I'm leaving. So he knocks on Randy's door early one morning, all packed up and ready to go, and after a few minutes, Randy answers the door, and it's clear that he was asleep and had just gotten out of bed. So Bob just tells him, hey, don't want to bother you, just here's what I'm doing, and here's why I'm doing it. And after like 30 seconds of silence, he says, hey, Bob, would you wait here for a second while I check something out? Bob says Randy walks away and he's gone for several minutes. He said, I'm just kind of standing there wondering what's going on. And then Randy comes back to the door with a tattered backpack hanging over his shoulder and a sleeping bag under his arm. And he says, Bob, 
I'm with you. Bob recalls, I expected him to come back and say a lot of things that were very different than that. I expected a lecture. I expected to be told that I was being foolish, or it would surely crater. And yet Randy looks me in the eye, resolute and with no agenda at all, and just says that he's with me. Randy says, let's go. I'll ride out there with you. I'll hang out with you for a few days. Once you get things settled, I'll come back. It's interesting as Bob writes this chapter, he says, I was really off put by that and I'm not sure it's exactly how I wanted it to go, but no one had ever expressed that kind of an interest in me before and so I was really glad to have him along. So they drive all day and just as the sun is going down, they get to Yosemite, they can see El Capitan and the Half Dome and it's all really exciting. But they realize they don't have very much money so they find this little camp out where they pre-set up tents that people can rent and they find one that isn't being rented, and they sneak in the back and just sleep in the corner for the night. So Bob decided to spend the entire next day looking for a job. He tried a local cafeteria. He tried a rock climbing outfitter store. And everywhere he went, the answer was no. In fact, he was told that there are almost no jobs available in the entire valley. It was at this point that he fully expected, and I told you so, from Randy. But instead, he said, Bob, you can do this thing if you want. You have the stuff it takes to pull it off. These guys don't know what they're missing. Let's try a few more places. And then, just like he'd said the day before, he said, either way, Bob, I'm with you. So nighttime came again, and they had no prospects and even less money, and so they snuck into the same little spot to stay the night again. And the next day, Randy looked him right in the eye and said, Bob, let's go climb some rocks. So they did. They went and enjoyed the day and did those really cool things that Bob had dreamed of doing every day for the rest of his life, I guess. So after that, Bob comes to a conclusion that for you and me as the reader is probably a foregone one, that there are only a few bucks left and he said, I probably need to just go home and finish high school. In true Randy-like fashion, he responds, man, whatever you decide, just know that either way, I'm with you, Bob. At this point in the chapter, Bob wrote a few things I want to read to you. He said, Randy had been with me, and I could tell that he was with me in spirit as much as with his presence. He was committed to me, and he believed in me. I wasn't a project. I was his friend. I wondered if maybe all Christians operated this way. I didn't think so, because most of them I had met up until that time were kind of wimpy and seemed to have more opinions about what or who they were against than who they were for. Without much discussion, Randy and I exchanged a silent look and a nod, which meant that we were done, And without a spoken word, I hopped in the driver's seat of the car, Randy hopped in the passenger seat, and we followed the path and headed home. Just a quick note on why I read that. Bob had not had much experience with Christians. This was one of the only ones that he knew, and I think it's pretty amazing that this is what he learned about Christianity from this short trip that maybe he hadn't seen in other believers. Okay, so here's how the story ends. They drive all the way back to Randy's house, and he walks through the door, and Bob comes in with him. Bob notices that there are gifts everywhere, plates and cups and flowers and all kinds of things, and he can't figure out if it was a birthday party or some sort of a shower or what had happened. At that point, Randy's girlfriend walked around the corner, wrapped her arms around him, and said, welcome home, honey. And then Bob realized it. They had just gotten married. Just the week before. They hadn't even put away all their gifts. And yet, when this high school student knocks on this newlyweds door early in the morning with these crazy aspirations, with the potential for all kinds of crazy outcomes, Randy doesn't stay home with his newlywed. He goes and asks her permission to take a few days away, and he heads out to be with Bob. 
Why, Bob writes, it was because Randy loved me. He saw the need and he did something about it. He didn't just say that he was for me or with me. He was actually present with me. Okay, so that story took a few minutes to tell, but I just enjoyed it so much that I wanted to give you some details. So there are two really deep impressions that it's left upon me, and I want to kind of half the time that we have left and talk about each one. To set up the first one, let me ask you a question. You just heard this story with two characters, and maybe you're thinking, what can I learn from that? My question for you is, which of the two do you identify with? If you saw yourself as one of the characters in this story, which one would you be? For me, it was easy. I'm 45 years old. I preach and teach the gospel. I have kids who are in the teenage range. I saw myself as the mentor to a 17-year-old Bob. And maybe it's the same for you. I think most people over the age of about 25 would instantly go that direction. Whether you did or not, let's think about the story from that angle for a minute. Because my first thought was, if I was Randy, that is not at all what I would have done. So I'm not a terrible guy. I don't think I would say, Bob, listen, it's 7 a.m. I just got married. Let's pick this up later. And please feel free to contact me and tell me how you would respond. But I think what I probably would have done is became his coach. I would have said, Bob, come in and have a seat on the couch. Let me get the coffee going. First of all, do you understand what is wrong with this plan? Do you understand what it's going to mean to your parents? Do you understand what it's going to mean to your collegiate prospects? Do you see the flaws in the plan? I'm not real sure if I would open with that, but certainly by the time we were done, it would be about kind of picking apart what me, maybe quite a few years older, would see was something he was missing. I definitely know, because I've done it so many times with younger people, I would ask him, look, where do you want to be in a year? Let's start doing some goals work. Tell me what a better version of you looks like. You want some adventure? Awesome. Let's make sure we get some adventure mixed in. You want to get out of the house and be independent financially? Awesome. Let's make sure we get that done. And basically, my counseling and coaching are about getting him to see you need to go back to school, which is already the predetermined outcome that I'm gunning for. I would try to accommodate and help, but ultimately, I'm walking him back off the edge, and I'm trying to get him on a better path. From what I know about Bob, and also more than half of those conversations I've had with young people, he would have gotten in the car and taken off without me. He might have said something like, that's exactly what I thought Chris was going to do. Just kind of scowl at me and try to talk me out of it. He might say, you know, just like Christians do, they're always just trying to get you to do what they want you to do. But yeah, I just, I'm being honest. I think that's the way I would have gone about it. And if he had gone, I certainly would have said kind things like I'm praying for you and reach out if you need anything. But I certainly would not have voiced my approval and by no means... At least going into this story a couple of weeks ago and reading it, what I have asked Summer if I could take off for a couple of days and just said, I'm with you. But you know what? Bob didn't need a coach. He wasn't asking for someone to tell him what to do. He was just basically showing up asking for some level of support. He put in the chapter, he was a really good friend and I just wanted to let him know. I hope you understand, as I'm trying to understand, there are some people in my life, including my grown children who are now both in their 20s, friends, and others who are sometimes just at a weird place in their life, and they don't know exactly what to do, and if they were going to jump off the edge into sin, that would be different. If they were going to completely abandon God, I would have to react in a certain way. But most of the time when people have ideas that I disagree with, they're just ideas that I disagree with. I don't think they're smart. I don't think it's going to work out for them. I think it might be wasteful. And I don't know that I've ever thought in that situation, you know what, I should just go with them. I should just accompany them on this journey. 
They're going to need support. If I'm right about this and it isn't going to work out, I don't want them to be alone when it happens. In fact, while they're going through these weird twists and turns, I want to be there with them. Maybe not with a backpack under my arm sleeping in the back of a tent that we don't own, but when things go tough, I don't want to be the guy that said my way or the highway, and now they've hit the highway and they're discouraged and they don't know what to do next, and they'd almost like to come back home, except they know I would say I told you so. I want to be the guy that loves them, that shows support and care, that believes in them even if I'm not fully behind what it is that they're doing. Maybe a relationship choice or a career choice or a location choice. Maybe a big change they want to try. Because like in the story, there's three acts to a story when it doesn't work out. There's the beginning choice to go give it a try. There's some discouragement in the middle where you wonder if you've made a mistake. And then there's the end where you realize, I have to go back. Randy was a part of all of those. And as soon as Bob thought he was going to crash on him, he would say, I believe in you and I'm with you. I'll be honest with you, there have been plenty of times in my life when I have needed someone to just say, I'm with you, I love you, I'm here for you, but instead, I got coaching. I got their past experiences projected on me. I got a narrow view of the only right way to do it. And keep in mind, I'm not talking about blatant disregard of scripture. I'm just talking about living life. And here's the thing, there was wisdom in almost all of those things they said. And for the most part, in the end, they were always right but I'm not close with those people today. Do you hear what I'm saying? I respect that they were right, but I am not close to them. They did not draw me to them, and now I don't naturally draw them close to me. One of them I'm thinking of right now who's significantly older than me, there have been plenty of times when I just wanted to call and share and listen, but I know how it's going to go, and it's not gonna be, I'm with you. So let me just say, before I get to the second major impact of this story, I've been trying this a lot, When somebody calls me about something that they're working through or dealing with or they need to do or they're going to try, and I can't show them scripture saying God says no, I just say, look, I love you and I'm with you, whatever you need. I doubt I'll go backpack with them across California for three days, but that has more to do with how Summer responded to this story. She cannot get over the fact that he left his newlywed for two nights. But marriage has taught me that sometimes people just need you to listen. People just need to know that you're with them that you care about them, and they don't need a list of directions to get out of the mess. They just need a little help walking through it. Okay, second thing, and a little bit of a brain bender for me, but when he gets to the very end of the chapter, there's only a paragraph or so left, and the application of the story for Bob wasn't, hey, I need to be more like Randy with my kids. Instead, he still saw himself as the younger person in the story, even though he was much older. In his application, he looked to Jesus. He said, I need to realize that that's the way Jesus is with me. Emmanuel, by definition, means God with us. And Jesus is with us always. No, he can't stand with us when we are clearly violating his will. But through all the other crazy, weird decisions that we make, often in confusion or ignorance or not well thought out, where he could easily slam the door in our face and tell us to come back later when our head's on straight, or tell us exactly the right way to fix it while announcing that he won't be going with us in the meantime. And yet by grace and compassion, he is patient and merciful to all of us. You know why? Because love does that. So I probably should talk more about Jesus, but I wanna look at it more like this. When I asked you the question a while ago, which person did you identify with in the story? I wonder how many of us would have picked the 17-year-old kid. I mean, unless you are a 17-year-old kid. 
How many of us in our 30s or 40s or older would say, you know, I'm like Bob. I have these weird ideas and sometimes I'm just frustrated and confused and I just need someone in my life who will be with me and will help me. I don't know why I didn't think that first. It probably has to do with age and parenting, maybe something a bit more nefarious like pride, but it's actually been kind of powerful for me to think about it from the other side. I mean, I guess I did a little bit when I said I've had coaches in my life and I didn't want to be quite like them, but in some ways, I'm still like that kid, packed up and ready to head to Yosemite. I just don't see the end from the beginning and I kind of got to go see it for myself. And honestly, just knowing that, just kind of being open about that will probably make me a better older brother when someone else approaches me. I want to encourage you to do that more when you read Bible stories. For some reason, for me and for a lot of my friends, we take the dominant mature role and we miss in those stories that we may actually be the other person and we may need to see it from the humble place. Here's an example that we're covering in Bible class right now. The story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John chapter four. I have taught that chapter dozens of times, always on evangelism, and I'm always Jesus. I mean, not literally always Jesus, but it's usually, here's the way he interacted with her, here's the way he slowly walked her through, here's the way he introduced something definitive to her, she turned out to be inquisitive and interesting and evangelistic, and the point of this is, you need to be like Jesus. You need to interact with people that way and move them along that way. Never mind, there are definitely things he said that we cannot say and things he knew that we cannot know, but we put ourselves, or at least I do, in the place of Jesus. And of course, the Samaritan woman, the one who is caught in mistakes, the one who is confused, the one who has the farthest to go, is somebody else. It's the person that I might see in the world to share the gospel with. I'm not denying the value of that approach, but I'm saying it says something about me that I always take Jesus' seat when I look at that story. It certainly can help, just like studying Randy can help me in the way that I am with others. But I'm not sure John wrote his letter so that you could go out and imitate Jesus as much as he wrote the letter to show how true belief falls into the arms of Jesus. And so all of a sudden, John 4 takes on a completely different tone. I was the Samaritan woman. I was confused. I didn't see how it fit together. I had issues. Christ was patient with me, which was exactly the kind of application Bob was making in the story. Others have been patient with me. And what I need to do is very humbly see how far I've been brought along by great mercy and patience and live it and share it with others. But beyond that, there are times when I am still that broken woman. I'm still confused about things. Do we ever get to the point where we're not? Because that's what turns us into coaches, where we think we always have the answers. I've graduated to Jesus spot. I don't think that ever really happens. Seeing myself present day at times and in ways like her put me exactly where I needed to be. Humbled, admitting that I don't have all the answers and all my ideas aren't great ones. And sometimes I just need to sit and listen and learn. It sure is a good thing that she found Jesus because I don't think a lot of other people would have been with her on that journey. I am thankful that I did, and I hope you are as well. And I'm thankful that I still do, every single day, through prayer and through study, and also through his wonderful people who live out his love, who don't coach me so they can put another win under their belt, but who are just with me because they love me. So in that way, today's title has two applications. I encourage you to say these words much, much more often. I'm with you. I care about you. I want to help you. I'm not going to just pass judgment on you. I want to understand you. 
and then realize how often you're on the other side of that. Be appreciative for great friends and mentors and leaders, and maybe even in your most dark and challenging moments when you don't know what to do. Glance up towards heaven and envision Jesus saying these words, I'm with you. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll consider sharing it with a friend. Speaking of friends, if you have any mortgage-related needs, maybe you're a first-time homebuyer looking to refinance or just want to talk about future homeownership goals, reach out to Tyler Kane. He is a senior loan officer with Fairway Independent Mortgage. Tyler and his team, with their expertise and dedication, have helped many families achieve their home ownership goals. They can advise you on the process from start to finish. His website is included in the show notes, or you can reach him directly at 813-380-8487. And please remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.